we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for August 26, 2012. And um, we're going to segue now into an article entitled, Israel, Many Trying to Replace What God Has Not, which will reaffirm all the other stuff I just talked about in the last part of the teaching and many other teachings I've done as well. At a time when Bible prophecy is most important, we find the church having less knowledge of it, especially when and how it relates to Israel. Most Christians have supported the Jews and the modern state of Israel, but things are changing. The church from its infancy believed that God had a future plan for Israel based on scripture. This included a national restoration of Israel in the same land they were eventually dispersed from, which has happened, obviously. Now I'm going to give you some verses here to think on. Romans 11.1. Now Romans 11, period, but just for time's sake... You know, just really can't get into the whole chapter. I've done the whole chapter before, though. I think recently, actually, even. But anyway, Romans 11.1. 1, I say then, hath God cast away his people? Now, you can say, well, that just means Christians. Okay, well, well, hold on. Let's read the whole verse. Hath God cast away his people? God forbid. For I am also an Israelite. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not grafted in to the wild olive tree, like it talks about in Romans 11. Okay, doesn't mean that we're not grafted in to that lineage. Okay, I'm I'm talking Bible believing uh, Christians, but God came to His own. The Bible talks about John that Jesus came to His own, and His own received Him not, meaning the Jews. Okay, so corporately they didn't receive Him. Some did. So I say that hath God cast away His people? God forbid. For I am also an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. So is there any doubt what we're talking about here? This is the first verse of the chapter that sets the tone for the chapter. So we're in in reference to Israel here. The seed of Abraham. God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. Again, this is confirmation of what we were talking about, those verses in Joel that I was giving you in the last part, in other verses. And then we go to verse 25, Romans 11. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. So all Israel shall be saved, as it is written. Now we're going to get into that, so all all Israel shall be saved, what that means. As it is written, there shall come out of Sion the deliverer, now, Sion is the word essentially for Zion in the Old Testament. But remember, one's primarily Hebrew, one's primarily Greek. So, you've got, there shall come out Sion, which is Jerusalem, the Deliverer, capital D, this is Jesus Christ, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, meaning the Jews, meaning Israel, the seed of Abraham, when I shall take away their sins. Now, this is New Testament. Okay? As concerning the gospel, they, meaning the modern day Israel, are enemies for your sakes. Why? Because they're still blind to the truth, corporately speaking. But as for touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. So they're still beloved in Father God's eyes. Okay? Israel. Oh, but God's done with the Jews. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no scripture to support that. Anyway, let's go to Zechariah 12.8. In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Again, this is Armageddon, essentially. Um, and he 
that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the Lord before them. It sounds like he's going to supernaturally equip Israel in that day, in that end time battle scenario. Zechariah 12.9 then goes on to say, And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all nations that come against Jerusalem. Doesn't this kind of sound like all those verses in Joel I was just talking about? And how we tied that into Matthew where it says the sun and the moon will be darkened and the stars will be darkened. Oh, yeah. End time scenario, end time battle, Armageddon type scenario. Yeah, it's the same thing. That's why. There's so many verses you could look at to confirm this. I will seek to destroy all nations that come against Jerusalem. That's what all those verses in Joel were about. All the Him gathering the heathen, the multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, gathering the heathen that have done wickedness against Israel for judgment. It's the same deal. I mean, this makes the Bible come alive to me when I read this stuff. It doesn't do anything but increase my faith. That's what I'm here to do, is increase your faith in the Word of God, because it is true and it is verifiable. So, Zechariah 12.10, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, Jesus. Remember when the Roman centurion pierced Jesus? Well, corporately, that was, in other words, Jesus, the Jews asked for that to be done when they said, crucify Jesus, give us Barabbas, okay? They shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one that mourneth for his only son. They shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. They're going to finally realize that they shouldn't have rejected Jesus Christ the first time around. But it's going to take a lot to get them to that point. And it shall come to pass that in the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, and the third part shall be left therein. This is in reference to two-thirds of the Jews dying during this tribulation period, and one-third of the part will come through. And I will bring the third part through the fire, and I will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried, and they shall call on my name, and I will hear them. This is the one-third remnant of the Jews that when it says all of Israel shall be saved, the one-third remnant is what they're in reference to here at the end of the tribulation. Okay, um, They shall call upon my name, I will hear them, I will say, it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. All fits together perfectly. End time scenario, totally fits together perfectly. There's no question. There's no, I mean, I don't see how this is even debatable. It's, it's verifiable from many different New Testament and Old Testament verses. This is the case. So, again, but if you get into a cult, or if you start reading all these books from men, and you get away from the word of God, and you start letting other men or women interpret scripture for you, don't think you might not come under their spell, or whatever demons they may be under. And I'm talking about cult belief systems. I'm not saying all men you know, or women would give you bad interpretations, but cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Jeremiah 17.5 Most people do that nowadays. Hey, when you can go to a Christian bookstore, and they've got thousands and thousands of books from different apostate, lukewarm, cult belief system authors, then what's not to like about that? There's all kind of different ways you can get brainwashed. There's a smorgasbord, a veritable plethora of ways that you can get biblically brainwashed into a certain way of cult thinking nowadays. I don't even go in those places. People say, oh, you got to read this book. Oh, no, you know what? I need to read the Bible. That's what I read. I read the Bible. I read the King James Bible. And I tell everybody, that's what you need to do. Don't follow me. 
I'm a man. I can fail you. Okay? But the Word of God will not fail you. I mean, Jesus Christ is the incarnate Word. It even says in John 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same in the beginning was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And that's where it also goes on to say, And He came to His own, and His own received Him not, in reference to the Jews. Okay, so again, what we're trying to do today is establish biblical balance here on this whole subject. So, let's go back to the article. As time went on, and the church moved further away from her beginnings and roots, many began to believe the church replaced Israel. But in the day and age when we see biblical prophecy being fulfilled, with God's continual protection and restoration of the Jews to the land, there should be none that hold unbelief in the promises. But there are. In other words, the promises like the ones we just went over. Okay, There are some within the church that take the position that Israel, as a people and as a nation, have no further place with God, and that Israel is eternally cast off for their rejection of the Messiah. They believe that national Israel no longer has a future in the plan of God, and that all promises given to Israel are forfeited and now transferred to the church, or some sect, like this British-Israeli cult, or the Black Hebrew Roots Movement, or Christian Identity or Aryan Nazi beliefs, they believe, you know. There's a lot of different flavors of this out there, okay? And again, how, I mean, just based on the verses I just read you, in this teaching, I don't say, you, you, and I haven't, and this is not even an exhaustive teaching. I'm just skimming the surface. <laughs> but again, it's usually always people that read some book or get under some guy or woman that, are leading them, and the Bible says about these types of wolves in sheep's clothing, while they promise them liberty, they, meaning these wolves in sheep's clothing, they themselves are the servants of corruption. They're the servants of corruption, essentially. Okay, They're promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. If you let a man or a woman, preacher, teacher, I don't care who it is, if you let that person overcome you with bad doctrine, you will be brought into bondage. But you don't see those types of chains. They're not visible to the naked eye. They would be visible like to the spiritual eye, but not to the naked eye. You don't even know you're in bondage. You think, wow, you know, I'm really special. I'm, I'm one of the 12 tribes. Or, I'm this or I'm that, and I'm really, really special, and the Jews are done away with. And The Bible says you better not boast against the, the, the natural branches in Romans 11. And that's boasting against the natural branches, meaning the wild olive tree that was grafted into the natural olive tree. The natural olive tree were like the seed of Abraham, Israel. Okay, The wild olive tree, which are the Gentiles, are us, and we were grafted in through the Lord Jesus Christ, Praise the Lord Jesus Christ for his mercy and goodness that we have the, the chance or the opportunity to be saved. I'm just beyond grateful for that. Much less, I don't see why I have to be, you know, say, well, that's all well and good that, you know, I got grafted in. But, you know, I want it all now. I want the whole pie. I want Israel to go its own way. God's done with them anyway. And I'm going to usurp that, all those promises God made for Israel. And I think I'm really special. That's essentially what you're doing. You got to be really careful. So, um, anyway, let's go further here. Uh, 
So they believe national Israel no longer has a future in the plan of God, and that all the promises given to Israel forfeited and are now transferred to the church, and the church is now the true Israel. Some go so far as to say disparaging remarks, like the Jewish people are now are no longer a chosen people of God, they are cursed because of their unbelief, or that the Jews have inherited all the curses of the law found in Deuteronomy chapters 28 through 33. Hey, the, Jew, the Jews have not had an easy time of it, since they, particularly since they rejected Jesus. Okay, let's face it. They have not had an easy time of it. You know, uh, did they bring it on themselves? Yes. Yes, they did. Corporately, because of their actions, yes, they did. But, you know, um, they haven't had an easy time. They believe that all the blessings to Israel now transfer to the church. Now, here's the teaching I told you about I did a long time ago. Biblical cause of Jewish uh, Israel, Israel affliction, John Hagee, Christian Zionism warning. Okay, I've done more than one teaching on John Hagee, too. As well. And tons of teachings on the Hebrew Roots Movement. You just came Hebrew, uh, Messianic Movement, or Hebrew, Hebrew, just the word Hebrew, and you'll find them. The adherence to this, it's known as replacement theology, meaning we're believing we're replacing Israel, literal Israel. The adherence to this replacement theology, teaching claim, the church was in the Old Testament, and that an assembly of and that was an assembly of believers. So the church becomes the continuation of Israel. That's, I mean, again, that's a really weak argument. Since Pentecost of, of Acts 2, the term Israel now refers to the church. Again, in order to believe in these cult, pseudo-Christian cult belief systems, you've always got to twist scripture. You've always got to say, no, the scripture says this, but it means this. No, it means what it says, and it says what it means. Okay. And again, but you have to have some type of thing trying to twist you into this belief pattern, whether it's a person, a book, or whatever. So, this is how they justify it, in other words. And um, going further here, uh, so they say, since Acts 2, the term Israel now only refers to the church, they say, one only needs to look at how the words in the book of Acts are used to see this, and this is not so. If this is true, then why are there distinctions of Israel and the church throughout the book of Acts, and why are there distinguishing statements made throughout the epistles? This is a man-made, basically cult doctrine, built on false presumption, or presupposition. The first occurrence of the Greek word ecclesi Ecclesia in the New Testament is found in Matthew 16, 18. The word Ecclesia, which means assembly, is often referred to mean Israel by replacement theologians as a generic meaning for an assembly of worshipers. See, here we go with the whole thing about how these cult belief systems have to go in and say, well, this word really means this, and it doesn't really mean that. And, this is, and then they, they, they establish a foundation based on false, presumptuous assumptions and then they build a cult belief system off it. But the Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11, verse 3. So if the foundations were, were, were weak, were faulty, were based on bad doctrine, then the whole cult religion is false. Uh, they, they then assume that the word church or ecclesia is a Greek word for Israel. They believe this is what Jesus the Messiah meant in Matthew 16, 18, and Matthew 18 for the word church. This would mean that there always was the church, 
uh, i.e. the church is Israel, continued in the New Testament. However, in Matthew 16, 13-20, the word church literally means those called out. But it also refers to those like Peter who confessed Jesus is the Son of the living God, something that was not revealed in the Old Testament. This will be further explained as we look more at Romans 11. These called out ones are not in reference to the Mosaic law that was given the nation of Israel, but to the whole, but to a whole new covenant through the Lord Jesus Christ. The better covenant which Jesus Christ, you know, is, is called. He gave us a better covenant than that of the law in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the term is used also in a narrower sense of the single of a single church, or a church confined to a particular place. There is a church in the house of Aquila and Priscilla, Romans 16.5, and the church of Corinth, the churches of Judea, the church of Jerusalem, etc. If one were to use the word Israel in place of the word church throughout the New Testament, they would begin to see problems, the massive problems it would create. In other words, it's not like this interchangeable thing. In Acts 8.3, Saul persecuted the Christians from house to house. He certainly was not persecuting Israel. In other words, if you replace Israel for, like, Christian in this particular thing, he obviously wasn't persecuting Israel, he was persecuting the church, okay? You have to be specific. Uh, Acts 2.47, And the Lord added to the church, now imagine if we put in Israel, daily, such as should be saved. Well, Israel wasn't saved. Corporately, they were not saved. They had just rejected Jesus Christ. Now, a certain small percentage, tiny, 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 were saved, the apostles and their converts and these types of things. But imagine if we tried it to uh, use the say, and the Lord added to Israel daily as such as should be saved, which is what the replacement theologian dudes try to do. Well, that doesn't make any sense if we apply it here. Okay, because you've got to be able to apply it uniformly across the board if it's, if it's some kind of biblical truth. Well, what if we try to apply in Acts 8.1? And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against Israel. No, it says the church, which was at Jerusalem. But what if it said Israel? That wouldn't make any sense. Saul was like for the, the Pharisees and you know, the Pharisaical Sadducees type of law-abiding Israel. That's, what he, that's why, what he was all about. He wasn't persecuting Israel, he was persecuting the church. So again, we run into all kinds of problems if we try to transplant these words. Acts 11.26 And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that the whole year they assembled themselves in the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Okay, well let's use Israel in place of church. And it came to pass that the whole year they assembled themselves with Israel and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians in Antioch. It doesn't make any sense. So, the fact, the fact that the Jews were called out of unbelieving Israel to be part of the church does, in all sense, go against the church being Israel. Okay, so again, I'm, what we're trying to do here is, is address some of the arguments that a replacement theo, theologian would try to bring up and say, oh, no, it really doesn't mean that. Oh, why? Because you're so scholarly and so much better, and you have seminary, I mean, cemetery training. 
and 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 you know you learn to be a nice five hundred one c three corporation, learn to get all your state licensing, and, and we're taught in in the cemeteries that the word of God really isn't the word of God, and you need to use the more modern versions and the more modern renderings, which are actually translated from corrupt Catholic manuscripts, translated by two occultists named Westcott and Hort in the eighteen eighty one revised version. Oh, you mean that stuff? Oh, okay, okay. Well, hey, it sounds good to me. I mean, you know, what's not to like? You know, where do I sign up to your cult belief system? But most Pastors that are seminary or cemetery trained have had their faith totally destroyed because of things like this, issues like this, bondages they've been put under through the seminary. I mean, hey, if you were Satan, where would you attack? Wouldn't you try to attack the very place where the pastors were being trained so that when they went out, they had all this bad doctrine they had learned, they had all these bad unbiblical belief systems that they had learned and been taught, and then they would start their own church, so they would have a bad foundation that they would have, and they would be, you know, yoking up with the government through their 501c3 status and going to the state to get all their licensing. None of it's biblical. I don't see Jesus Christ going anywhere and, and getting licenses to do what he did, or any of the apostles. No, they, on the contrary, they actually died to fight against things like that, to not be yoked up with the government or with this present world system. Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what communion have righteousness with unrighteousness, and Christ with Belial? Well, when you're in a 501c3 institution, that's what you're doing. You're yoking up with the government and the IRS. <laughs> so, you know, and that's just a couple things. I'm telling you, most of the time, most pastors have their foundational things rocked and ruined right from the get-go in seminary. That's why, like, people, oh, what's your seminary training? I'm like, I've got no seminary training. <laughs> I got a six, I went to school six years straight to be a chiropractic physician, okay? Um, <laughs> I worked really hard to do that. Don't even do it anymore because I'm in full-time ministry now. I walked away from all that stuff, praise the Lord. You know, I just believe what I'm doing is way more important than that. And I don't have any of the seminary training. I mean, if anything I have, it's all self-taught. But by the Holy I'll just give the Holy Spirit, Father God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the credit. You know, and that's why Jesus said, it's better that I go, for when I go, I will send the Comforter, capital C, Holy Spirit, and he will teach you all these things that I have taught, and he will cause these things to be, things to be brought into remembrance. That's how I believe I memorize scripture. Well, it's a little more now. You gotta really do sit down and really put the verses to commit the verses to memory and then let them, you know, unless you got like a photographic memory or something, which I don't have, but, um, anyway, so let's go further here on this lighthearted little study. Um, so Israel was always referred to as a nation made up of Jews who are the physical descendants of not just Abraham, but Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 73 times in the New Testament the term Israel is used. The majority of the times it refers to national ethnic Israel. In Romans 9, 6, the apostle distinguishes two Israel. Two Israels. One that believes, the other unbelieving. Both are ethnic Israelites, but only one has faith, the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that keeps them in the new covenant, the better covenant established through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the difference. This replacement view is often held within groups such as Reconstructionists, Dominionists, British Israelites, Lost Ten Tribers, Christian Identity, Kingdom Now Adherents. 
I could do, I've done one study on dominionists. I think we talked about reconstructionists too in that study. But I haven't done specific studies on all these cult groups yet. Where is there the Bible for denominations? All these different denominations. Thou, does it say, thou shall separate and go into a thousand splinter group, different denominations, and infight and say, and say within thyself and within thy heart that I am the one that has the truth and all the other denominational systems are wrong. Where does it say that in the Bible? I just must have missed that, that verse. I just don't know where it's that. So denominations, they're a bunch of garbage as far as I'm concerned. You know, to have all these different fighting little factions and then we can infight and argue about different points of doctrine while we strain at gnats and swallow camels. Uh, anyway, um, God has an unconditional commitment to the people of Israel. He has made a covenant and cannot break his word. Again, all the verses I read in this part and the last part. And again, there's way more than that. We're just scratching the surface. Uh, there are those in the church who take the position that the first covenant promises to the Jews are nullified and void. Paul clearly make Paul makes it clear to the church of Rome. Romans um, 11.1 1, I say then, have God cast away his people, God forbid. For I am also an Israelite, the seed of Abraham, the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. It's obviously... Romans 11 is obviously in reference to the literal, physical seed line of Israel through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the 12 tribes, obviously. Okay? On this alone, we have evidence that replacement theology is wrong. In Ezekiel 36, God makes it very clear that he will never abandon Israel, not for their sakes, but because he cannot lie. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Jeremiah wrote right after the promise of um, wrote right after the promise of a new covenant, uh, Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-one. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So, what are we talking about? Um, you know, we're talking about the literal house of Israel, house of Judah. Okay, and there's not some whatever other meaning to this. It's very clear. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the hand, land of Egypt. Now this is in reference to, obviously, Moses and the Ten Commandments and the giving of the law. Okay, Which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward Parts and write it in their hearts, and be and will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinance of the moon and the stars for a light by night, which divideth the seas when the waves thereof roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from me, in other words, if these promises that he made depart from me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. But they haven't. The promises haven't been broken. The ordinances haven't departed. God cannot lie. Okay? So, for, and then it goes on to end by saying, for Israel to no longer be a nation would mean the sun and the, well, this is, okay, comment. For Israel to no longer be a nation would mean the sun, the moon, and the stars would also not exist. According to these verses. 
Why? Jeremiah 31, 35. Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinances of the moon by night, and the stars for a light by night, which divided the sea when the ways were over, the Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances, those ordinances that he just said, depart from before me, basically meaning <laughs> the sun for a light by day, ordinances of moon and the stars by night, those things, you know, pretty, pretty heavy duty things, sun, moon, stars, you know, not, okay. If those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. <laughs> so, for Israel to no longer be a nation would mean the sun, the moon, and the stars would also not, would also have to cease to exist. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> and if it did, we'd all be toast anyway. Because we kind of need the sun to live. And we do need the moon too, because the moon creates tides and a lot of other things. So, yeah. Hopefully, that would convince you regarding this. And that when this time happens, when... It says, after those days, say the Lord, I'll put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. Again, this is in reference to the time when the one-third will be brought through the fire, tried as silver, Armageddon, and then the millennial reign. Thousand-year millennial reign of Christ at Jerusalem. This is, that's, that's into that time frame that we're looking at there. Now, God made a blood covenant, which is unconditional with Abraham in addition. Genesis 12.1 Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land which I will show thee, and I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee all families of the earth shall be blessed. And we read that earlier, but it relates to this. Now, this has not been revoked. To this nation, God gave the land of Canaan. See Genesis 12.1 Genesis 7, Genesis 13, 14 through 15, Genesis 17, Genesis 15, verses 17 through 21, and Genesis 17, verse 8. God will bless those who bless the nation and curse those who curse it. See Genesis 12, 3. God laid down a divine principle that has been seen and proven throughout history. Um, another point is to, to take into account is Joel 3, 1, which again... Um, I think I read this before. Behold, in those days and in that time, when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and I will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. Remember, we talked about this. And I will plead with them there for my people, for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. And again, this is in reference to the end time scenario. This is in reference to, you know, the end of the tribulation, the great gathering of the heathen. You know, against Israel, against against God. He's not done with the Jews, obviously. Israel was given laws and ways to be distinguished and separate from the Gentiles. Now, we have many teachers saying the Gentile church is now Israel. Uh, for those who are Gentile who claim that they are true Jews because of their belief in the Messiah now means that they replace Israel. Jesus has this to say to them. Revelation 2.8, And under the angel of the church of Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them, which say they are Jews, and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Now, again, I've seen a lot of these people, particularly in the Hebrew Roots movement. Oh, I'm I'm a Jew now, and they go around, and I mean, they're blowing they're blowing their shofars, and they're they're wearing their prayer shawls, and they're doing all the Jewish stuff, and they you know they start thinking you know they're literally, you know, Jewish, 
or whatever. And I mean, it's like, it's almost like idol worship, you know? It's like they, they want so badly to, to be literal Jewish bloodline. And it's, it's really, it's disturbing. And now, I got caught up into that a little bit. Not too much, because I figured that out. I'm like, eh, there's... This ain't right. This is bringing us back into bondage. This is bringing us back into the law. I'm not Jew anyway. And who am I to say that I am? And, and to act all whatever. And I, then I saw the bondage these people got in. And how unreachable they became. With their belief systems. And how pride came into them. And how they started thinking, I'm better. I'm doing all this stuff. Basically to earn my way into heaven. And I'm more special than you. And you're not even saved. Actually, I'm saved. You know, I mean, it's, it never ends. Now, I've done many, many teachings on this, uh, which I give you here on the PDF. The Hebrew Roots Movement, Messianic Christianity Warning, uh, three teachings on that. The Law, the Sabbath, Hebrew Roots, Christian Zionism Warning. Uh, Sabbath things all interconnected in with this. All the Hebrew Roots bondage, the, the hexagram, which is what's on the Israeli flag. Um, one of the most wicked symbols in all of witchcraft. Uh, the Mark of the Beast and the Hebrew Roots Connection, the Sacred Name Movement and the Hebrew Roots Movement Exposed. That's another thing that they, they go into. You know, we only use the real Hebrew names. Well, you better make sure that you're using the right Hebrew. <laughs> and you, if you don't know what that is, you better check out this teaching. And then the Blasphemous Talmud and the Hebrew Roots Movement, um, Messianic, Christian Zionists. I've done tons of teachings. Another one on the Sabbath. And uh, you can avail yourself to all those teachings if you so like. Going back to the main article, Israel has become the focus for the world, but unfortunately many people that would call themselves Christians no longer believe in the nation's relevance today. It is Satan who has instigated hatred toward the Jewish people throughout the centuries. In the end, he will furiously try everything possible to annihilate them like the Nazis did so as to negate the promises concerning them in the Bible that have not yet been fulfilled, that many of them we went over today. Do you understand why they would be such a target? By Satan? I mean, isn't it obviously crystal clear why Satan would be targeting them? If he could annihilate them, the Bible could not be fulfilled. And God's word is true. It has to be fulfilled. It will be fulfilled. But Satan is going to try to fight it, you know, tooth and nail, and try to eradicate the Jews so that they can't be fulfilled. And again, it was the same thing that went on Genesis 6 when, when Satan tried to take out all humanity. Any doctrine or interpretation must be from the context of Scripture. And is in its complete teaching on the subject, both Old and New Testament passages, and not based upon a single verse. Which, again, so many cults, I mean, Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons and all, so many cults, they take one verse out of context from their corrupted Bible, like Jehovah Witnesses have their New World Translation, or whatever, and the Catholics have their American Standard Version, you know, so very few of them, well, Mormons use the King James Bible, yeah, they also use the Pearl of Great Price in the Book of Mormon, which always seem to override the, the, the King James Bible when the time comes, when it comes to where they ultimately have to contradict the King James Bible. Guaranteed, their extra-biblical books will always take precedent over the King James Bible. Always. So, you know, anyway, let's go further. Um, 
Let's just read that last verse. Any doctrine or interpretation must be from the context of Scripture and its complete teaching on the subject, both old and, old and new, and not based upon one single verse. We must take the whole counsel of the Word of God. When we study Israel, there is a major amount of Bible concerning the people and the nation in the future. Replacement theology and its antagonistic view of Israel are perpetuating an anti-Semitic stance in the church. What one believes about Israel is of utmost importance to understanding the Bible and the end times. It should be apparent when we study the Word of God. And that the Old Testament promises made to the national Israel will literally be fulfilled in the future, just as they were literally fulfilled in the past. The details needed are found in the Old Testament, uh, in the New, and we find Paul and John in the book of Revelation often draw on a number of passages to prove their points. If Israel is no longer in God's biblical timetable, then we will find numerous problems springing from this position that cannot be reconciled with God's character or his promises. Romans 11 contains scripture passages important to understand. To get the complete picture, um, chapters 1 through 10 of Romans should be read thoroughly, and Romans 2 discusses the Jew and the law. It points out the futility of trying to obtain salvation through the law that the Jews do not have any advantage over the Gentiles for salvation at this point. That all have sinned, the law shows us how short we fall of God's holiness. In fact, the Jews who have more knowledge of God will have more to answer for. Um, the chapter closes with the statement that 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 is not enough to be circumcised externally to be a Jew, but rather God's chosen is for the heart to be changed, not the change of the flesh, but of the inner man. In Romans uh, three, Romans chapter three and or Romans chapters three through chapters eight, we are told that the Jews had an advantage over the Gentiles in that they were given the truth of God's word, the oracles of God, and were entrusted to keep it. However, both the Jew and the Gentiles have sinned, and the law did not justify them. Neither one is justified outside faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, his shed blood on the cross, and, you know, his, you know, his resurrection. So, again, that's something to keep in mind here. Paul raises the question regarding the place of Israel in Romans 9, 10, and 11. In Romans 9, 3, he said, For I wish that myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. This is in reference to literal Israel. If the church replaced Israel, this could not be stated. Okay, and that's just one of the many reasons. So hopefully we've driven that point home and proven that amply through Scripture. Last article, last report is one that came out recently called The Silence of the Pulpits, which ties into this whole subject, uh, particularly with Islam. Uh, if you're even slightly awake about the world news today, it is no surprise that Christians are being killed, raped, and brutalized throughout the Islamic world. However, there is a place where you can go to escape the dreadful and relentless details of the Christian annihilation by Islam. Well, that is if you go to your nearest 501c3 church, most likely. Uh, now, I'm saying most likely, not saying all, but the vast majority. For example, Christians were killed this week in Nigeria. There's a little link to that story. Nothing out of the ordinary. Indeed, in the world of Christian persecution, this is routine. And so the response found in nearly every church to the murder of Christians is, wait for it, complete silence. Not a mention or a reference to it. Or to the brutality against Christians that happens almost every day in the Islamic world. 
This is not a passive silence because if you try to change it, you will fu- you will fail. The silence is an active working conspiracy that goes throughout nearly all of Christendom. Take a simple example: prayer for the persecuted. From a Christian perspective, this falls under the heading of obvious. Try taking the idea of prayer for the persecuted for the routinely murdered Christians in Nigeria or Egypt, etc., to ministers, boards, or any other part of the structure of the church and see how far you will typically get. You will usually get rejection with a myriad of lame and evasive excuses. Since the people in power fear to recognize the suffering of Christians around the world. That's some sick stuff. That's really, really warped and sick. And beyond self-centered. And I would say beyond grievous to the Holy Spirit. You know, oh, we'll, we'll just ignore it. We want to sweep it under the rug. We don't want to talk about those things. We might run some people off or scare some people. Or, or we might, it might affect our giving. You know, I don't know. It's, just, it's unbelievable what goes on. If you acknowledge the suffering, you might wind up asking the question, why are these Christians suffering? Ah, there's the rub. The suffering is caused by Muslim jihadists who are following the Islamic doctrine of jihad, meaning holy war, against the Christians and the Jews as found in the Quran, the Sirah, and the Hadith. These are other unholy writings in Islam. Islam is the cause of suffering of Christians. Well, Satan's behind Islam, okay, so I don't want to give Islam too much credit, but anyway, Islam is the cause of suffering of Christians, as well as Jews, Hindus, Buddhists, etc. But stop, we can't say those things. Facts are, the facts are now considered the new hate speech. So we cannot speak about the jihad against Christians, therefore we get no prayers for the persecuted. Because it would lead to talk about why the murder of Christians keeps happening. And the truth would lead to being called an Islamophobe. Oh no. I wouldn't want that. So we are not going there. Result? Silence in the pulpits. It's ironic that the Wall Street Journal, a financial newspaper, has run an article, there's a link to it here, about the silence at the pulpits concerning the suffering of Christians. The Wall Street Journal? We live in a time of moral inversion when the Christian leaders are chastened for their moral bankruptcy as money men. Um, and it is supposed to be the other way around. It's pretty pathetic when the Wall Street Journal is calling you out, in other words, uh, as a Christian. Actually, there are few religious leaders left in America. Instead, we have the chief executive officers, the CEOs, who manages the 501c3 corporate institutions that meet on Sundays. Now, this is literal. This isn't made up, what we're talking about here. The deacons are literally the board appointed the board of directors in this corporation, according to IRS guidelines, which dictate how much, how the church is to conduct itself. Why? Because it created it. This is because the corporate church received its permission to exist, in this case, its corporate church charter, by the government and the IRS guidelines, making them the creator of this type of church, which comprises probably 99.9% of all churches in the USA. They're under this 501c3 corporate charter. Okay. In too many cases, this type of church has devolved into an hour-long meeting that is supposed to make you feel good for a week. This 501c3 corporate mentality is another one of the roots of the denial of the Christians hold on here of Christian suffering. 
If you are willing to see the doctrinal roots of the ongoing murder of Christians by Muslims, then you might have to speak about it from the pulpit. And that could be seen as political speech, which is actually forbidden according to the IRS guidelines uh, this corporate church has to abide by. Is this all starting to make sense? So if a minister is worried about the IRS revoking his 501c3 status, then whom is the minister serving? Is he serving Caesar or Christ? Or Satan or Christ? You be the judge. The government, universities, many churches, synagogues, and the media have become enforcers of the multiculturalism and political correctness cults. They are very powerful and believe that their dogma rules all people. The silence of the pulpits is the greatest aider and abetter of Islam in the U.S. Think about that. Last statement. The silence of the pulpits is the greatest aider and abetter of Islam in the U.S. It's also the greatest aider and abetter to a lot of wicked things that go on in the, U- in the United States. Almost every wicked thing that they don't speak about. No one serves and advances Islam better than silent ministers. They have abandoned their duty of courage in the face of persecution. Persecution? You think if, if, I mean, we haven't even seen persecution. We don't even know what it's like in America compared to what's coming. Can you imagine if they're this backboneless? Now I know that's not really a word, but if they're that, <laughs> I mean, if their moral fiber is of that now, where they won't speak about these issues now, when we actually do have a modicum of free speech left, can you imagine when things get bad and Caesar calls in the chips to the 501c3 institutions, which are yoked up with the government and FEMA and Homeland Security now, many of them are clergy response teams. Can you imagine what's going to happen then when they tell everybody, oh, you come in, you, you turn in your guns, you be a good Christian, you obey Romans 13, which they totally twist. You turn in your guns, you come in, and you bring your family, and you get your vaccines, and we're going to put you on this nice bus and take you to these internment camps where they're going to take really good care of you. The pastors are going to be the ones selling people out to the greatest degree, the 501c3 pastors. You wait. It's going to happen. They've sold their soul to Satan in many in, in many, in many of these examples, and they don't even know it. I'm telling you, it's coming. It's coming. That's why people say, where do I go to church? I'm like, I don't know. I haven't, been in, I haven't been in a formal church in a long, long time. I'm not saying I'm against it, but there's very, very few that are truly unregistered. You know, um, unregistered Baptist Fellowship with Dr. Dixon and Barbara Kate. They've got an organization to bring churches out of that. Uh, that's about the best thing I can tell you. I don't think that that one guy, Swanson, I don't think he takes it far enough. I think you really, really got to take it all the way if you're going to do it. But um, you just don't know what kind of spiritual bondage you bring yourself under when you take that 501c3 corporate charter. There's spiritual things that are going on that you're not seeing. When you go to the state to get your licensing to preach, where's that in the Bible where it says to do, to do that? <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, the seminary is, is so the source of this. It's, it's where they're getting their foundational doctrinal core beliefs. You know, oh, I, I go out, when I graduate, I do this, I do that. I yoke up with the government in every way, shape, and form. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So, 
No one serves and advances Islam better than the silent ministers. They have abandoned their duty of courage in the face of persecution, but the rest of the flock still looks for moral leadership from them. Mm. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. That's the norm now. Islam triumphs when Christian leaders do not condemn the murderous evil of political Islam and all the other garbage that goes on. The slaughtering of innocent babies in the womb. You know, the radical homosexual agenda that's everywhere you pretty much turn. The pornography industry, whatever. whatever. But they don't talk on those things typically. They don't touch those, those subjects. Most. Not all, but most. Even, and, and the ones that are that do talk about it and are still in the system, well, they better make up their mind. Because that 501c3 corporate system is just one step away from the one world religion of the beast. And they will be assimilated just like the Borg on Star Trek. They're already part of the system. They just haven't made that last step. They're gonna have to, they're gonna have to one day choose to get off that 501c3 corporate train going straight to hell. Yoking up with the government. They're going to have to make a decision at one point. You know? So, I chose to get off a long time ago. I don't want nothing to do with it. Even worse than the silent ministers are those who go to the interfaith dialogues. Oh, I love these guys even more. And smile while the Muslims assert religious and political dominance over them. Like people like Rick Warren who goes in there and praises the Muslims for their peace and all this stuff. I've reported on that devil many times and how he's yoked up with the, with the Islam. The nice, oh-so-nice Christians and Jews show up to tie them. Not like you have a tie ball game. Okay, while the Muslims are there to win, and they do win, Christians need to follow the example of Jesus and willingly suffer the condemnation by the establishment or whoever else and fight against the political Islam that murders Christians. And again, this would be applied to all manners of wickedness, not just Islam, all manners of wickedness, which is what we try to expose here on a weekly basis, unabashedly, unashamedly, and not worrying about if I take a bullet in the head for it, if I have to die for it, or if I have to whatever for it. I'm not even thinking about that stuff. I believe God can protect me anyway until, I believe it's, it's like, until our um, mission is done on this earth, you know, they got to go through the Lord Jesus Christ to get to me. The bottom line. We need to live our lives that way. You know, just like total, no fear, no fear, whatever, whatever. I don't care, I don't care if, if you got 8,000 tanks out in the front yard and a nuclear missile aimed at me. Whatever. God can still protect me. My God's still bigger than you. He created the universe. You can threaten me all you want. But until my mission is done here, I'm going to keep doing what the Lord Jesus Christ has sanctioned me and led me to do. And I'm not going to worry about the consequences. What you need to worry about is the opposite. If you don't do it, what you need to do is fear God and not fear man or the situation. I'm not saying that because I think I'm some wonderful whatever and I'm totally, you know, in God's perfect will and I've never done I'm not saying that at all. If I got what I deserve, I get death and hell. Which, but these are things that because there's been so much fear of man, because there's been so much yoking up with the government and these corporate things and the licensing and the, and the, and the destroying of the faith in the seminaries, because that's happened is because it reflects 
the state of the modern day, quote, church, particularly in America and elsewhere. It's because they've done all these things is the reason that things are so bad. They've let it get this way. They haven't resisted evil. They've just let it overtake them. They bathe in evil, essentially, these guys. They take a bath in it. They scrub the, oh, this wonderful evil bar of of evil soap. I'll just lather up with it. Cozy up to it. It's what they do. It's unbelievable. All the teachings I've ever, it seems like I've ever done, it just gets more and more and more and more confirming. All of these subjects that we've reported on these. It gets more obvious what's going to happen. The end time agenda. All the stuff we reported on today. It's so in your face. It's so flagrant. And many people are up on a lot of the different current events, like maybe those that follow some of Alex Jones or these, but very few out there are actually tying it in with the Bible and pointing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying that to blow my own horn. I'm just saying there's very few ministries doing that, which is alarming. I wish there was a battalion of ministries doing that. Pointing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. His word in the English-speaking language, the King James Bible, having them rely on him totally and exclusively, and having faith in the word of God to go through the times that we're moving in and not worry about whatever the consequences may be. It's a great privilege for us to be of born in this time, regardless of, of our end, regardless of the outcome of it all. We were chosen to live in this time for a reason. These are the things the angels look look into and, you know, like the Bible references. So this is actually a great honor to live in the time we're living in. It may be the most horrific time the world's ever known, but the Lord's also capable of doing greater things in this type of wicked environment than the world's ever seen. And I do believe he's going to use his remnant in a very great, mighty way. Those that have the faith to believe that he they can be used. But most people have had their faith destroyed. And they're so willy-nilly and weak and just, oh, whatever, you know, so fluoridated out and they're on all their meds and whatever, that they're in no shape to fight. They've had their faith destroyed. They've never had their faith built up. They've never been grounded in the Word of God at all. And they're trusting in some religion or some denomination or some lukewarm pastor, not all the time, but the majority. It's truly pathetic. It really is. I haven't done enough. I will totally acknowledge that I have totally failed God and totally not done enough. Not, I mean, I'm serious. I am not just saying that. I have not. I have failed God miserably. And I would be the first to admit it. So... I'm not sitting here acting like I'm so perfect and I'm judging everyone else. I'm just stating the obvious. That's all I'm doing here. So, let's go further here. I'm I'm almost done here. Christians need to follow the example of Jesus and willingly suffer the condemnation by the establishment and fight against the political Islam that murders Christians. Now, again, I think fighting in this regard would be more on our knees on exposing evil. I'm not telling anybody to go out there and get machetes and hack people up. That's what Islam does. We're not commanded to do that by Jesus Christ. Okay? Um, so I'm not saying, you know, let's let's engage in our own literal jihad against Islam or whatever. Okay? But I'm just saying that, you know, there, there's ways that you can expose and fight evil. And um, so, said another way, Christians should demonstrate courage and sacrifice to support their cruelly murdered brothers and sisters. I mean, all these Christians that are getting murdered around the world by Islamists, 
And I know Islam's not the only source of persecution and martyrdom worldwide, but it is probably the main one right now. Aren't their deaths worthy of um, us talking about? And I don't talk about it enough. But see, there's just so many aspects of end-time current events that I can properly cover. I wish Voice of the Martyrs wasn't yoked up with the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church so much. But they are. And i got a whole file on them I've just done recently. There's massive problems with them. Massive problems with them. They, they, they consider Christian and Orthodox just born-again Christians. Persecuted for the cross of Christ. Those people are going to hell. They need to be pointing that out. I've wrote them and told them that before. No response. I'm like, take me off your mailing list. I don't want to get any more. I don't want to hear it. You know, when they got literally Catholic priests on their covers of their magazines... And they're acting like this is Christianity. No, that is a lie from the pit of hell. That cult death religion is all it's doing is taking people to hell. So I had to distance myself from them. Um, it's a sad state of affairs. It really is. We cannot defeat political Islam until we get Christian boots on the ground. Do the math. The pulpits must become a source of courage and knowledge and stand up for Christians Jews, Hindus, Buddhists, and others who suffer under Islam's persecution today. Not to say we defend, like, the Hindu faith. But if they're going around killing anybody, it's wrong, obviously. And we want the Hindus and the Buddhists and the Jews to see, you know, the true light of the Lord Jesus Christ and get saved. That's the point there, okay? Um, so to stand up for the others who suffer under Islam's persecution today and who have suffered in the last 1,400 years. Uh, I'll give you the link to this article. Now, you can see my other teachings I have done on the 501c3 church regarding this issue. One is entitled The 501c3 Church Being Muzzled. I give you links to all of these here at the very end of the PDF on page 19. Uh, The next one is Feds Train the 501c3 Clergy to Quell Dissent During Martial Law. Mark my words, like I said, the, the 501c3 church will be one of the main places that is targeted... When, all, when martial law goes down, they will be yoked up and in lockstep with Big Brother, and they will do whatever Big Brother tells them to do. The wonderful Big Brother Illuminati system right now that is totally controlled, essentially, through Satan. We told you here that there was already over 2,400 people in Department of Homeland Security, led by Janet Butch Napolitano, a rabid lesbian, right now. And that's just one aspect of our wonderful government that they will be yoked up with. They have the clergy response teams that are literally yoked up with Homeland Security and um, uh, FEMA. I mean, we've proven it. Uh, Don't believe it? Listen to these teachings I've done. You'll hear the actual audio sound bites from these reports. Disturbing, the next one is called Disturbing 501c3 Corporate Church Report. And then the last one, the U.S. churches are now, many U.S. churches are now part of FEMA Homeland Security initiatives. They're going to be a major player and play a major part in this and guess who they're targeting christians so it's coming this may be my last broadcast i don't ever know when when it's going to be my last but i'm telling you the handwriting is so clear so bold so on the wall i don't know what more i could do to to warn people regarding this unless i had an everyday audio show and i can't do that i'm only one person so um i'll leave you with this verse joshua 1 9 Have not I commanded thee, be strong and 
and of good courage, being not afraid. Why? Because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and sound mind. Okay? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. Don't be dismayed at anything that I said today. I'm not here to discourage you. I'm here to increase your faith through the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of his word, through the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The Bible says, is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. That's what you need to be thinking on, those verses. You need to be looking to this with, with like almost with like the end times, like man, let's go, let's do it, let's get real, because this is, this is almost a fantasy world we're living in right now. You know, be, neither be thou dismayed for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. But you got to have the faith to believe that. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you don't have enough faith, get in the word of God, pray for more faith. Okay. Um, And I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and this time you've given us. I thank you, Lord God, for um, the body of Christ, for for the listeners to this show, Lord, for um, just all your goodness and your mercy, Lord God, that you've bestowed upon us, for saving our souls, Lord. If there's any listening to this broadcast and they're not saved, I pray that they go to my salvation link at contendingfortruth.com, that the Holy Spirit would be there to convict them, Lord, the, the Holy Spirit would draw them and that they would get saved, they would serve you, Lord, and that you would use my listeners in the body of Christ mightily in the coming end times, in the coming battles, Lord, that we would not have fear, that, you know, you would just remove all fear of man. The fear of man, as you said in your word, bringeth a snare, but that you would give us the fear of God and that, you know, Lord, your name would be glorified through us. I do pray, God, for the persecuted remnant out there, persecuted Christians, even the Christians, Lord God, that, that aren't really even really saved Christians, like the the Catholics and the Orthodox and the Coptic Christians, those. I, I pray to God that through these persecutions, um, that they actually really get saved, Lord. For it's your will that not one would perish, but that all would come to repentance. I truly pray that you saved these Baptists and these Hindus and, and, and all the, the people that are under persecution worldwide, that you would use these events to save their souls, Lord. And um, I, I pray you bless them, Lord God. I pray you protect them. I pray your angels encamp around about them. I pray you forgive us for any and all sins we've committed as we forgive those who have sinned against us, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable and pleasing in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us and that your name would be glorified through us and that through the body of Christ you would lead many people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.